Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Two Old Bloggers with your hosts, Darren and me, Dave. In today's episode, we're going to tackle a few hot topics in the world of Vikings football. First, we'll dive into the Vikings quarterback situation, discussing the aftermath of Kirk Cousins' injury and considering whether the team where the team goes on from here. They have a few choices. Let's see how they play out. We'll also look at Jaron Hall's potential as one of those choices and as the new starter and what that all means. Next, we'll dissect the Vikings' recent trade deadline deals. We'll discuss the arrival of Josh Dobbs, another one of those said choices, and the departure of Ezra Cleveland, my boy. And share our thoughts on whether these moves were a hit or not so much. We'll find out. And finally, we're going to preview the upcoming game against the Falcons. This game could be a major turning point for the team, and a lot hinges on rookie Jaron Hall and how he performs. We'll also take a look at Atlanta's side and what to expect from the Dirty Birds. We're going to find out. So grab your favorite beverage, sit back, and let's get into it on Two Old Bloggers. Vikings First and Skull presents This Week in Vikings Land with Darren and Dave, your two old bloggers. Hey, everybody, it's Dave here and Darren over there. It's been a, an eventful week for all of us, I'm sure. How are things in the great white north there, Darren? Uh, they were going great until I saw half an hour ago that Christian Derrissaw was questionable for tomorrow's game of the groin injury. That made me happy. <laughs> yeah, my exact response was, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to thank everybody that's here right now. We've got our standout regulars. We have Norspheus, we have Brian Davy Chains, the wonderful and beautiful Miss Mary, Mr. Bob Swede. We have Skull for Life Barber. Hey, Barber, good for you to join us. Benjamin, Benjamin Marcou, good for you to join us. I believe this may be the first time you're here. If you are, welcome, welcome, welcome. We have my worthless opinion. Let's see, who did I miss? Purple Poopy Pants, what a great tag name, <laughs> Skull for Life, of course, and anybody else that I miss, we want to welcome you to the show. This is Two Old Bloggers, where Darren and I have been commenting publicly on your Minnesota Vikings for over two decades apiece. There's a lot of knowledge and a lot of killed brain cells between the two of us in that time period. But we love the purple as much as you do. And we try to bring a well-thought-out Sunday morning talk show style of show here to you so that we can talk about the team we love. Benjamin from Vermont, I bet it's beautiful up there this time of year if all the leaves have not quite fallen yet. <clears throat> Head down to Montreal there. <laughs> Not too far. Right. That brings us to theme one. Since Dave talks too much, 
Where do we go now? Yes, Dave. It will, and what a week, like you said, it's been. Uh, nothing's been happening in the Vikings. <laughs> <laughs> Vikings community, right? You know, you get, you, you get a big win. You go into Lambeau, you get a big win. Then your starting quarterback blows out his Achilles. Uh, and then you and end up trading for potentially his replacement, at least for this year. And you trade who your starting left guard or who was somebody who was your starting left guard like three weeks ago. Um, just all kinds of crapola going on. Uh, and, uh, and I think, you know, I, you know, it's got to acknowledge, or I want to acknowledge that, uh, <laughs> not a newsflash is that Kirk cousins going down with that Achilles is a horrible horrible, horrible <laughs> development for the Vikings for the 2023 season, at least. Um, you know, everybody's got, you've got your Kirkistanis, you've got your, your, your anti-Kirkers, people who think he can do nothing wrong, people who think he can do nothing right. Uh, there's people in the middle, kind of like us, I think, Dave. Um, but whatever you feel about Kirk and really the narrative on Kirk has really switched, I think, like 180 in the past year or so mm -hmm. uh he's gone from uh, like a guy that people made fun of all the time to as you see it all the time that thanks to the nfl the quarterback show and you know some of the things he did last year uh he just turned into this kind of lovable uh much at least beyond the minnesota vikings uh, locker room a guy who's like now widely respected for his toughness and the way he plays the game and and all that sort of stuff but you know regardless of what kind of quarterback you think kirk cousins is you got to acknowledge that on an average day, since he's been here, here's what Kirk Cousins is going to do on an average day. He's going to throw for 230 yards at least. He's probably going to toss a couple of touchdown passes, and he's going to complete minimum 65% of his passes. That's on an average Kirk Cousins day. Uh, that's pretty good. Uh, some days, there's been plenty of games during the season, and we've seen it through five-plus years where he does much more than that. Uh, there's occasionally some games, not very often, where he does less than that. But average, pretty good stats, and the, you know that the Vikings' offense is generally going to function. You know they're going to have some. They're going to function strongly. They're going to be a threat to move the ball and score on a consistent basis. And without Kirk Cousins in there, there's just no way I can see where this offense operates like that. Is <laughs> where you're going to see that kind of consistent production from the quarterback in particular. Uh, game in and game out here. Um, and if you don't get that, uh, can, and considering our running game has not been very good this year, uh, that leads me to, you know, you're probably going to see less successful, less for less big plays, less first downs, less successful drives, which is going to lead to less, uh, scoring. Uh, and that's going to negatively impact the Vikings season this year. Uh, it could lead to less wins, maybe a whole lot less wins than what we were training for. And so that really sucks. <laughs> well, when, so, we get, when we get to the number portion of this in theme three, yeah. you're going to see a stark difference between the projections of PFF and what DVOA has this at as of right now. Because of, as of right now, Kirk Cousins has played, what, 95% yeah. of the season so far. It's mm -hmm. be before his... Achilles blue, it, it's it was getting impressive, especially considering yeah. our slow start. 
It was. Um, you know, that's the bad news, Dave, and it is not, and it is bad news. And but, you know, that's that's how I see things. I think that's realistic way, in my view, of how to look on things. We've got to expect that the offense is going to be, uh, it's going to be perhaps painful to watch at times. Uh, and and frustrating and particularly frustrating because that offense, even though it started slow and they had all the turnovers and all that sort of thing, it was starting to, the last two games with Kirk dealing, the offense looked just so much better, even if the point totals that we were putting up weren't, you know, any drastically better, but, but, but you know, that's the reality of things, I think, but let's turn to Jaron Hall, who's going to start on Sunday against the Falcons and, you know, what that means. And, Again, he's he's not Kirk. Uh, <laughs> he's not as experienced. He hasn't been through the wars. Uh, he's a totally different quarterback. But I, you know, there are things to like about him. If, if everybody here probably watched at least some of the preseason where he played, you know, a fair amount of the time, and you know, clearly he's a much more mobile quarterback than Kirk. So he's got the ability to evade pressure when he's pressured with his do it with his feet with his legs something that Kirk cannot do, and he's probably uh, he's better able to make plays off schedule plays on the move than Kirk does. And I think that that's, you know, and that's going to really, I think, shape how the defense, how our offense is going to go and how, how they're going to work to Hall's strength going forward. I think the, uh, what really, I also think that, uh, you know, good things are that even though it was two months ago, Dave, he did play quite a bit in the preseason. He got a lot of snaps. He got a lot of reps there. Uh, it was an up and down preseason, but I think in his third preseason game against Tennessee, you kind of saw the Jaron Hall that at least in glimpses, you saw the improvement from game to game and you saw him do some things that made you think that, "Hmm, you know, this guy might have something. Certainly, like you said before, Dave, or you mentioned to me online, he did like, he looked like miles ahead of Kellen Mond. (laughs) Yeah, I I think so. You know, Hall looked like a real NFL quarterback at times and that against the Cardinals in that final preseason game, very sharp first drive to start the game. Uh, they get a turnover off of a sack, strip sack, first pass, touchdown, nice right on the money to the, the running back. He, he, um, he led a nice uh, two-minute drive at the end of the, end of the first half to get us some points. Uh, looked very good in the first half. Second half, uh, things weren't as pretty, but again, you got to look at who he's playing with too, right? But I, th- I think that and a, a lot of trash, <laughs> a lot of guys that aren't <laughs> in, in, in football anymore. Who are um, some of those individuals? Well, you know, like Vidarian Lowe was his, his, his one of his tackles. Ali Udo was his other tackle. Later in the game, you had Chris Delorio was playing in there. Alan Ali is one of the guards. You had Abram Smith, Dwayne McBride, uh, the Dykes uh, kid they brought in as your running backs. He was thrown to Thayer Thomas, uh, Blake Prohl. Uh, Lucky Jackson, <laughs> you know, he just, he was under pressure a lot. He just, he was playing against third, playing with third and fourth stringers. Now he was also playing against a lot of third, third fourth and fourth stringers, stringers, but, mm-hmm. but still that when you're playing with that level of talent, there's only so much that you can do yourself. And I think that he's really suffered with who he was playing with. But I think, again, there was glimpses, particularly in the Cardinals game, where you could see the good things that he could do, some of the strong throws that he made in tight windows. And I think that's going to help him. What also helped was just him getting in the game at Lambeau last week, Dave. You know, very, very tough situation for him to be thrown into. At Lambeau, 
Both of his drives were deep in Vikings territory. And I got to give Kevin O'Connell a, like, a sh- like a credit here because during that game, if you're watching the game, you remember Jonathan Vilma said, man, you know, just hand the ball off, Kevin O'Connell. Uh, hand the ball off, kill off the clock. Don't have this guy step back and throw because it's not worth it. You just got to kill the clock and let your defense play. And Kevin O'Connell did not do that. He had Jaron Hall, and it was only 11 snaps, so it's a small sample size, but he went. He had him step back to pass five times. Uh, on and one of the one of the times was a strip sack, but that was not Jaron Hall's fault. Christian Darrisaw whiffed badly on that play, and Hall never really had a chance on that one. But he did have him throw drop back to pass on third down three times. Hall made a very nice throw and read to Hawkinson that got us a big first down in that second second to last drive we had. First down allowed us to kill clock, forced that team from Wisconsin to use all their timeouts. That was a huge huge play in that game, and. I was watching him in the huddle, Dave, and you could see that he wasn't like looking like this, you know, and you, he wasn't shouting. He had his hands on guy's shoulders. He looked very calm, collected, just handing things out. And he didn't look like, he looked like he belonged there. He looked like he was not a deer in the headlights kind of look and um, very calm. And again, the Kevin O'Connell had him throw the ball at, at important moments in a tough place to play against a divisional opponent on the road. I think that, that is going to serve him well in the Atlanta game, another road game. And because Jaron Hall himself can have some confidence and say, hey, we won last week. And I didn't just hand it off to Madison and Akers all the time. I had to throw and make some throws and, and help us kill the clock and, and help us win that game. And he did that. And I think that's very encouraging and going to help him tomorrow against the Falcons. And I got to give Kevin O'Connell credit for doing that because it would have been very easy to do just what Jonathan Vilma told said, hand the ball off, <laughs> hand the ball off and just kill clock, force them to use. You're not going to get first downs, but you're not probably not going to turn the ball over, but uh, you know, put it on your defense. Kevin O'Connell didn't do that. And Kevin O'Connell said this week that that was a purposeful thing that Jonathan, he thank wanted- you for becoming a member. Oh Appreciate yeah. Thanks Jonathan. Uh, you know, Kevin O'Connell said, I wanted him to go in there and play football. I wanted to give him the chance to do those things. And he did. And if it had gone wrong and it went pretty wrong with that strip sack, but if the Vikings had lost because Hall had made a couple of turnovers and stuff, Kevin O'Connell would have got crucified for it, but he did not care. Uh, he felt that there was an opportunity there and that this was the way that they could win the game. And that kind of shows, I think as well, that what Kevin O'Connell has been seeing from Jaron Hall since they drafted him, that he had enough confidence in Hall to, in that situation, to put the ball and the game in his hands by making him throw it. You know, I, I think I find that encouraging, even if it was just three series and the, the final series was in victory formation, right? Where mm-hmm. Hall didn't have to do it. But uh, it'd be, yeah, I, I find it encouraging. It's pretty, when you get a situation, you know, tomorrow, uh, like Hall is tabla rasa. He's a blank slate. We don't know what we're going to get, but uh, it's a, you know, it's a bit of an exciting time in, in a way when you always, when you get a new quarterback, your first start, what's he going to do? How's he going to perform? What's he going to look like? Um, very, very exciting and a bit frightening as well, because it might not go all that well. No, it might not. Um, Delta says three for four for 27 yards were, um, Eft, LOL. Hey, if he throws 75% tomorrow, we're in great shape. That would be awesome. 
Um, now yes. I I agree. It's going to be interesting. I thought he came in and did himself well straight off the bench. And you got to remember, it's straight off the bench. There's no warm up. There's no weekly prep. There's no taking all the snaps. There's no very little planning for the game plan because it was all revolving around Kirk. And everybody thought it was well. It should be. I mean, Kirk never gets hurt, right? And so that's the way it was. He came off the bench. He held himself well. I was impressed with the young man. Now, we'll all see what happens tomorrow when he goes in and he's the man and has been practicing that way all week, right? And how Kevin O'Connell adjusts the offense towards him, we're going to see something totally different. I mean, the 11 snaps he had, that's you could probably throw them out the window to see what we really have. It's going to start tomorrow. And I'm looking forward to it. Hey, this kid could be our next quarterback. We don't know yet. And so That's right. we've got to hope he does well, because if not, we're going to other alternatives. And I'm not sure how great those alternatives are going to be for this season. <laughs> so, and uh, with that, theme two. Mm. Trade deadline deals. Yes, like them or hate them. Hot or not. Um, the Vikings were lots of speculation going in. Uh, maybe not as much last week after we beat uh, or the week prior as the Vikings got to three and four. I think there was a little bit more of a feeling that they wasn't, they weren't going to be, Oh, Morpheus just became a member yeah, too. I thought he was all appreciated, buddy. You rock. Um, hey, just to let everybody know you can become a member at any time. All you got to do is I know, especially on the computer side, browser side, there's a little button that says join. All you got to do is join the first level is real cheap. We do open it up every once in a while to have the members come on. We will be doing more exclusive member content. Almost did one this week, but there was only there's only three of you. Now there's five. And uh, so this will be picking up, especially as we get into draft season, because, you know, Tyler wants to get all his draft Nick stuff out there first to you guys. So... Well, welcome everybody that's come in since the first time I shouted everybody out. I see Dan's here and everybody else I've missed. Aaron, Aaron, what do you think of this beautiful weather? Absolutely great here in Austin, Texas. Unlike I'm sure it is up in Yellowknife. How cold are you up in Yellowknife right now, Darren? Before we start, not too bad. We're like like uh, minus eight Celsius, so uh, which is a little bit higher than normal this time of year. Got the snow on the ground. It's here to stay for a few months. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, um, Aaron must be happy with the results of the today's Texas game. <laughs> <laughs> Another close one, uh, but uh, they won. So, okay. Um, um, yeah, trade, trade stuff. So, yeah, first thing off, 
of course, uh, the Vikings. I was not. Uh, I, was, I wasn't expecting them. I guess to be as active as they were, or at least I thought the, there was a possibility they'd get a quarterback. But I thought they might pick one off the street as opposed to trading for one. But anyway, they got Josh Jobs um, from the Cardinals, and um, uh, I think overall, I, I like this deal. Uh, and I, I don't. You know, I I don't feel that Dobbs. My view on Dobbs is that he's not. I think this would be the view of a, the vast majority of people is that he's not a guy who we can consider as as we're looking at him to be the starter in twenty twenty four or anything like that. But what? Uh, but I, you know, I do like the fact that what we got him for, we got him, and then we got a seventh, and we gave up a sixth to the Cardinals for it. And 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 like we were talking about before, that's almost like free, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And, and and for some bizarre reason, uh, based on playing time, and I don't know, I haven't seen the particulars on that. Maybe you have, Dave. But based on playing time, we actually could get a sixth rounder from the Cardinals out of this deal. Uh, yeah, it which, changes. I, it, it's it's almost literally free. And the sixth rounder we traded for him was yeah. the Carolina sixth rounder. So it's mm-hmm. going to be, or the sixth rounder we got. No disregard. The sixth rounder we got for Cleveland, which we'll talk about next, is the Carolina one. But we had traded one of the lower six rounders for him, and it could easily come back to where we get a six back, and it's just it's literally almost a free trade. It's it's negligible. The value between a six or a lower six and a seventh is basically a seventh rounder. And we know most seventh rounders don't even make the team. So it's it's a good it was a good value. And even like depending on how the Viking seasons goes goes, you know, beyond here, you know, uh, and we know that the Cardinals probably aren't gonna win too many more games. Um uh, and so the, all their picks are going to be really low or, or high. Depending, and so they, the, I guess the, the, the range between the, the seventh, the, the sixth that we gave up and the seventh that we get from them might not be, you might be 10 picks in the difference, really, when you, when you 10 to 15 in the difference. So really not much. It's pretty similar. But, you know, with, with Dobbs going, uh, again, the, the, the compensation was right. I think it, that what that trade also told me is that maybe Nick Mullins is not as close He's eligible to come back next week. Maybe the Vikings feel that he's not going to be ready to come back next week or maybe quite a few weeks from from here. Back injuries are always tricky. Um, And so you couldn't go into... With a team like the Vikings, who are four and four right now, they're they've got the seventh uh, the seventh uh, wild card spot. Um, you've just lost your starting quarterback, but you can't say the season is over. The locker room's not going to accept that. Uh, the ownership is not going to accept that. I don't think Kevin O'Connell and his staff or Kwesi Adova Mensa can accept that. You got to do what you can to keep the season running and try to make the playoffs and, and put up your best effort to get there. And you, you just, I don't think that they can feel if Mullins is iffy on when he's coming back, you couldn't go into the next few games with Hall and Sean Mannion as your two quarterbacks. <laughs> that, not not Mannion. Hall's fine. Mannion's good. well. But yeah, Hall's fine until he isn't fine, right? Well, yes, hurt or, but we already know Mannion isn't fine. So, yes. So, so you, you so trading Dobbs does one thing. It, it strengthens your quarterback room. 
if Mullins can't come back at all or, you know, several games past when he's eligible to come back in IR. Uh, the other thing that it does is that, hey, the guy has started 10 straight games. His uh, He's actually been, you know, turned out his, his numbers, his play has been better than you know, quite a few starting quarterbacks in the NFL now, uh, uh, like uh, I was tr- trying to think of them, but, uh, but there's some pretty well-known names that he's got better stats than right now. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's not like he's a scr- total scrub. He's got his issues, but he's a guy who can come in and can start for you and gives you a chance to win. And the other thing is, is that the Vikings, Nick Mullins is only signed to a one-year deal uh, next year, whoever your starting quarterback is, you're going to need to back up. Uh, having Dobbs here for the second half of the season, the Kevin O'Connell and the staff can Quasi Dofamensa, they can look at him and they've got a whole half few months to assess whether he's a guy that they should invest in to be a backup for whoever starts next year. Uh, and I think that's, that's a you know important point and a good thing to, to have as well. Uh, I think so too. Now, one of the reasons I think they went with Dobbs versus a Mullins type, Mullins is more like Kirk Cousins. He's a uh, he's not as mobile as no, he's not. You know, we'd like in a quarterback, or I think not so much that we like that. I think Kevin O'Connell wants. I think Kevin O'Connell wants to go to a more mobile game, and he's going to have to. He's going to have to change it for Jaron Hall to start off with to maximize Jaron Hall's effective effectability, he's going to have to plan for more mobile stuff. We see RPOs brought up. We see all sorts of stuff. Well, when you get Josh Dobbs, Josh Dobbs is that mobile quarterback. So he's going to be doing much of the same stuff that Jaron Hall would be doing that I think Kevin O'Connell wants to do if we get a draft a quarterback next year because we're all we've talked about it for years. We want a more mobile quarterback. The more successful quarterbacks can not only pass, they can also run. Well, now we have two in the house that can do that. Now, are they going to be superstars? Jaron Hall's an unknown. Dobbs is no, but he's moving from a bad team. In the Cardinals to a great situation here in Minnesota. And we're not just talking the facilities. The Cardinals organization is all sorts of messed up. So he now gets to go and be a backup. And I view him as a backup. I mean, he's played for what, seven teams since he's been in the league, something like that. He's bounced around. Smart kid, rocket scientist, as we all know. But he could be that next person behind either Jaron Hall or if we draft somebody next year. Because there's no guarantee Kirk Cousins is coming back. There's no guarantee they want him back with a bum wheel. We know that uh, torn Achilles takes a while. We do know Kirk Cousins was playing the best football of his life in these last two games. Would have loved to seen it continue. But now he'll be 36 next year. All that money, all that stuff that he brings with him. Do we want that? And they may go with somebody in the draft that they think could be the next guy if Jaron doesn't work out. Or they don't want to spend that much money on Kirk Cousins again or take the chance 
because he's not going to be fully healthy until next year. Yes, handicap discount, Aaron. Yeah, if if they want to bring him back, they definitely need that. I would. I would. Kirk, Kirk ain't taking a handicap discount or hometown discount or any discount. <laughs> but I think that one of the reasons they got Dobbs was because of the mobility and the ability to run a mobile quarterback style of offense. And I think that the Vikings also looked at it because there was lots of names going around, Dave, about who the Vikings were looking at. And Kevin O'Connell talked about how you should see the things I've been, the texts I've been getting. <laughs> we don't know what those were, but you know, it, it was ranged from, you know, pick up. So getting Dobbs, they clearly felt that he would be an upgrade um, or just as good as signing Colt McCoy off the street or Joe Flacco off the street or, or whatever. And I, I think that, you know, looking at, the talent that they have where they are in the season uh they didn't feel that and where they are in the competitive rebuild they also didn't feel that they were they didn't want to give up significant draft capital to go get a guy like ryan Tannehill, who's actually who's still hurt right now and would probably wouldn't be able to play this week and, and next week either so how much help is he going to be or you know the whole kyler murray pie in the sky type stuff that that wasn't going to happen either so josh jobs was was like a reasonable get a starting quarterback He's okay. Uh, like you say, he does different things and maybe some of the things that Kevin O'Connell would like to see. And the, the game that I saw him play the most was they played the 49ers a few weeks back. And, and, the, and the Cardinals gave the 49ers a pretty hard time for three quarters. And Josh Dobbs played pretty well. The offense moved the ball well. Uh, and they did some things that maybe we'll see if Dobbs ever gets in the game. But a lot of use of his mobility. They did a lot of RPOs and you know design rollouts where they cut the field in half, the whole thing. And he either had the option to pass if a guy was open for decent yardage gain, or he just ran it. Uh, and you know that eventually the 49ers clamped down on that stuff. But it did keep the game close for a long time. And Dobbs did a pretty good job in that game. And that's the sort of thing that you'd like to see if he has to play. If if Hall shits the bed tomorrow, uh, Dobbs might be in there in the second half or at least the following game. And in Arizona, is that you know they've with the talent that they have, which isn't great on offense in particular, um, they've been able to move the ball pretty decently. And Dobbs is you know he's not been perfect, and there's been some bad throws and bad and bad miscues and stuff. But uh, I think that, you know, he, he, he again, he gives them a chance to win if he's in there, especially if you get Justin Jefferson back and, and, and that sort of thing. Uh, and, again, he gives a whole different dynamic to at the quarterback position that we have not uh, – uh, Vikings offense with Jaron Hall and Josh Jobs in there is, is that ability to move, the scrambling. That's something we have not seen in six years. Yeah, <laughs> or longer. You know, yeah. Teddy could run, but Teddy wasn't a he wasn't a mobile quote style of quarterback. He, he was, was a reluctant run. Right. So it's gonna be interesting. Hopefully uh Tyler said I was coming in soft and I know I've had that issue. I've cranked there my mic gain up and everything else up. Hopefully people can hear me a little bit better. But we'll see. Well, and, that uh, I was to listening next... to you and well, I was listening to sorry, I was listening to you and Tyler earlier in the week when talking about this deal. And Tyler talked about, uh, I think he nailed it about how this was, you know, th- th- this was a deal for now kind of thing, right? Like <laughs> they needed to strengthen the quarterback room, and considering the compensation and the player that Dobbs is, it was a good deal. 
Uh, and but it's not a deal that's long term. Looking long term, you know, in a way, uh, at least as far as Dobbs go, uh, you're not looking at him as being an eventual starter. But you needed to do something to to strengthen your quarterback room now. And getting Dobbs does that. And at the price that they got him from, I, I like the deal. I do too. I do too. And Dalton asks, "What's the cap hit for Kirk? If Kirk does not come back." Everything rolls forward, and they'll owe $28.5 million on a dead cap, if I remember the number correctly. If Kirk gets extended, he's got four years on the dead money extension at seven and a half, seven and three quarters, somewhere in there, per year. Whatever he gets extended, say it's one year for $20 million, it would be $20 million that next year plus that seven and three quarters or whatever it is, is added onto that. That is the cap hit for next year. And the rest would bounce, keep going down until they were eaten up. And as soon as he's gone, they all push forward into one lump sum of dead money. That's how that works. Well, that brings us to the next trade. Yeah, the Cleveland one I don't like as much. Um, <laughs> like I, I just it was surprising to me. Not so much surprising that well, most surprising that they traded him. I feel that you you always want offensive linemen. I feel they get hurt a lot. Um, you know, they get you know, ankle stepped on, foot stepped on, stepped on, uh, groin like with Darisaw. It's just it's a tough position to play. You get hurt a lot by friendly fire or like people doing things that, like you don't even see coming because somebody rolls over from behind. Um, so the most, as much depth as you, as you can have on the offensive line uh, and how important it is to have a very good offensive line. You know, I like to have that. So I didn't really like trading Cleveland. I certainly didn't like them trading him for a six rounder. Um, he was your starting left guard three weeks ago. Dalton Reisner wasn't Number getting eight. in the lineup. Yeah. Eighth guard in uh, all of the NFL. Mm-hmm. You know, his, again, you can disagree about PFF grades. Uh, yes, David, they do have Reed Brandle. Uh, we know that. Uh, but would you rather have Cleveland in there or Brandle or Reed if somebody gets hurt? Uh, but, but yeah, his grades have been good. He's considered one of the best guards. Uh, and I think that's, again, like you can, you can disagree with PFF's grades, but uh, if you watch close enough, I think you'd see that Cleveland struggles at times in pass protection, I think. But uh, I, I think that the, the grades are pretty consistent with what I was seeing with, with my own eyes, uh, uneducated as they are on offensive line play. But, but uh, still, so the sixth round, getting him only for a sixth rounder, a starting left guard, in a league where offensive linemen are at a premium and everybody's having trouble having enough good offensive linemen, Jacksonville's a playoff contender too, and they needed offensive line help. And you could only get squeeze a sixth out of them. Um, that's, we just, we don't know what the market was, Dave. Maybe that's the best that they could get. Uh, and that's okay. We've added a ninth draft pick by doing this. So that's good. But uh, I, I am surprised. And, and if, Reisner like goes down, or yeah. if Reisner like goes to, down, to have known what San Francisco mm-hmm. wanted to give because they were supposedly interested. Yeah, 
Um, if Reisner goes down, if Ed Ingram goes down, it would have been nice to have Cleveland where you could say, okay, Ezra, Ed Ingram's down. Dalton, you move over to the right guard or Cleveland moves over to the right guard and Dalton stays. But anyway, to, to plug Ezra either into the left guard spot if Reisner was down or the right guard spot if Ingram went down, uh, rather than going with Chris Reed, who hasn't played all year, hasn't <laughs> he hasn't been suited up all year, and Blake Brandle, who uh, was a tackle last year, uh, and now, now he's a guard. And you know, I think Brandle's a decent backup, but I'd prefer to have Cleveland over those two guys. So uh, you better hope we stay healthy on the offensive line at the guard position. And yeah, I think the, the compensation is not fantastic. I would have liked to, I think that a starting left guard and a good one, according to pro football focus grades and all NFL teams, I think, or most of them use PFF to some degree. Uh, so they've got access to the, to this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that all teams it's surprising it. to me. That it's surprising to me that uh, you couldn't get a fourth, at least, uh, you know, something around I the fourth so round. Too, but- four. What I heard the explanations as is Jacksonville's only getting a roughly half-season rental on him because they have, what, nine games or where we're eight games in, so they have maximum eight games left. Um, not eighteen. Yeah, eight or nine. Twelve, games seventeen left. games. You'd have, you'd have yeah. nine games left, depending. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um. So it's only a rental because he doesn't have a contract beyond this year. And if you look at it as just a short-term rental, paying him higher or trading higher than that six seems a little ridiculous. No matter who it is, unless you're going to negotiate in exclusive rights for an extension or something like that. So he could walk. He could walk at the end of the season from Jacksonville. He could come back next year as it sits right now to us, and we gain that six-rounder. I don't think that's going to happen, but it's feasibly possible. That's why it was a six. And now – Granted, it's the Carolina six they traded for him, which should be at the top of the very sixth round, which is if we if he just walked, we'd get a fifth round compensatory in 2025, which would be only the what we got is only a few spots below that, and it's this year. So I yeah, think that's, and that's the, the thought process. And that's the um and that's the the I guess the gamble that Quasi Dova Mensa made in trading him was uh, again like yeah you, there was the talk about the compens- the compensation you would get if you if Cleveland left as a free agent you didn't resign him but uh, that's all dependent on who the Vikings signed to in free agency uh, it could be a wash you could uh, depending on who you sign you could get could the 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 math could work out that you don't get the compensation pick for a Cleveland signing right. somewhere else because and that, of who you signed that applies too and yes. Yeah, and and I think that's where the Vikings roster is right now, with potentially the salary cap that they might have available next year. It's it's unlikely that they're not going to sign, you know, two or three free agents. Right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and uh, Jonathan, uh, I like what Jonathan, the way Jonathan's thinking, that it's po- a possible future favor 
right? That Quasi can pull in at a different time. Hey, remember when we gave you a deal on, uh, you know, my boy? And it could be. And we do save money on the cap, believe it or not. We save over a million dollars. Yeah, well, not not insignificant. If somebody, you know, you have a rash of injuries and you need to, the rainy day fund needs to to be as big as possible to assign some people to to make up that roster. Um, I think Cleveland being traded also, I think it uh, obviously bodes well for Dalton Reisner being the future. You know, having a, a long term future with the Vikings, I don't think they would make this trade if they didn't have any plans to bring Reisner back and sign him to a, you know, a more longer term deal beyond this year. And I like what I've seen from Reisner. I, I, I don't think his his grades, PFF grades, would be any higher, uh, or they might be actually maybe a little bit lower than Cleveland's overall. But I like what he brings to the team, Dave. Like he is a, I like my guards particularly to be like have like be really nasty uh grumpy guys and reisner has he's got he brings energy you see him after a play he's like helping guys up the running the guy who carried him up he's like diving for loose balls he's hurtling over right <laughs> other players like he's got hustle he's like following the play you know how so many offensive linemen once they think the job is done they just stop moving dalton yeah. reisner ain't that guy ain't like, that guy no he's early. not and supposedly that was one of the hits on Cleveland, even though Cleveland does things technically well, especially for a tackle move to guard. He does not have that fiery, I'm going to kill you every yeah. time, motivation that a normal guard should have that I see Ed Ingram with, for an example. That, uh, you know, Ed tries to stun you with that first punch, bam! And if you go down, he's happy. He's going to drive you into the ground. And then he's going to look for his next block. That sort of deal you want, that sort of attitude you want for a guard. And Reisner's got it. And he, for a team that passes as much as the Vikings do, uh, he's pass blocking is his strength. Uh, so if you're going to drop back 40 times a day, uh, 40 times a game or more like the Vikings do, and maybe they'll even still will with Hall and Dobbs or whoever is in there, uh, then you know, Reisner is a good fit for that as well. Yep, 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 yep. That brings us to theme three. Vikings at the Pat or the Falcons. <laughs> they both suck. So I, the Packers and the Falcons. They do. Uh, yes, game preview. Um, slides, please. Oh, I almost forgot. What? <laughs> We're going to start off with the injury report. We have for the Vikings out Dean Lowry. Okay, I don't know if we're going to miss him. We'll find out. Linebacker Brian Asimov, questionable. Wide receiver Jalen Naylor, questionable. Offensive guard Chris Reed, questionable. Both Naylor and Reed are on the comeback, they're in that three-week window to come back. They may be allowed to come back. We'll find out. This will be the third week, I believe, for Naylor. So after this, they have to make a decision. He either comes back or he goes on the IR for the rest of the season. For the Falcons, we have fullback Kevin Smith, who is listed as a starter, out. 
Wide receiver Drake London, he is their best, by far, wide receiver. Out. Free safety, DeMarco Helms, he's a backup. Out. As we know this week, uh, defensive end LaCale London went to IR. But the biggie that went to IR is Grady Jarrett. Andrew, uh, JJ is eligible to come back after after this weekend. So next week we might see him. Now, but as you referred to before, about 30 minutes, an hour before the show, Adam Schefter comes out with this little gem that Kristen Derisaw is moved to questionable with a groin issue. Wasn't on the injury report all week, Dave, I don't think. Nope, I didn't and see it that. just popped up. Now, according to it, it was from last week's game. Now, I've had groin pulls before, and generally you can play with them if you stretch them out and you keep them warm. That is a uh, very much so. If it gets cold and it tightens up, then you're then you're in pain and you're having problems. But there's no cold. There's no weather. We're indoors. We're playing in the Sphinxter Dome, the Mercedes-Benz Sphinxter <laughs> Dome down in Atlanta. Yes, Dalton, Calais Campbell's on IR as well. I did not go over their entire IR list. It is extensive for the Falcons. That brings us to quarterback rankings, right? These slides are going to be thrown off, and they're going to look really, really funky this week because we've got new quarterbacks. When it comes to quarterback power rankings for both Jaron Hall and Taylor Heineke, BFF has none. Jaron Hall played 11 snaps last week. Taylor Heineke played a game, but it was his first game, and they don't have enough Sample size to give it to him. Mm-hmm. When it comes to QB stats in particular, we're pretty much the same. There's very little to go on. Now, however, last week, Jaron Hall scored a respectable 76.2 for PFF. Taylor Heineke, on the other hand, scored an 80.3. I, that's not bad for Taylor. Now we get into these numbers. Clean pocket. Taylor was at 91%, whereas, or scored a 91, whereas it was a generic 60 for Jared. Jared. Jaron. I misspelled that one. Big time throws. Jaron had none, so it's zero. We had a 4.8 for Taylor Heineke. But like I said, small sample size, one game and 10 snaps. It's not worth going over. And even when we get to power rankings and ratings, they're not available. They're not there. And I uh, didn't want to do that. And when we get to DVR, it's even worse there for the quarterbacks because there's nothing to look at. QBRs, it's not, it's not there. So after this week, we'll get a little bit better numbers, but when it comes to quarterbacks, we ain't got squat. Now here we're moving over to the offense. Aaron thinks I have somebody breaking into my home here. Yeah. My dog is here. Dogs. 
All right. Aaron doesn't know my dog barks when the wind blows. Uh huh. When it comes to uh, offense versus defense, the Minnesota Vikings offense, PFF screamed them down the board to 28th. I don't get that at all. They're projecting. They have to be projecting because of Hall and not mm. because that can't be because of the first eight weeks with Cousins. Because when we get into the offense for the Vikings on DVOA, it's ranked 14th. That sounds about right, right? Yeah. And it was 12th in the pass, which went up a little bit, and 25th in the run, which went down a little bit, which is about right. We saw that happen last week. You know, the run wasn't effective, but the pass was still good. And when it comes to Elias Sports Bureau, your generic box score stats that you see everywhere, NFL.com, CBS.com, ESPN.com, your newspaper, everywhere else, right? The Vikings were 10th in yards. That's a top Mm -hmm. 10 offense. Second in passing and 31st in rushing, which is an improvement on the rushing, believe it or not. Um, But they've been around that all week. So, And 15th on points. They've gone up on points, by the way. They've taken 18 sacks, our offense. They're 29th with giveaways uh, with 15 total. And they're now up to a minus five differential, which is a lot better than it was before. The Falcons, however, are favored by three and a half points. It's actually gone down. They were favored by more than that at the beginning of the week. Their defense is ranked 22nd. It's nothing to write home about. Overall, DVOA, they have them at 25th, past 28th, so they can be passed against. They're 11th against the run. Well, we want to get the run started tomorrow. Hopefully, they'll suck at the run, especially with Grady on IR. When it comes to yards, their defense is damn good. It's 6th. Their passing is 8th. Their rushing is 14th, which is middle of the pack. Points, they're middle of the pack. They are 26 in sacks. They've only accumulated 15 all season. And in takeaways, they're 27th with 7. The over-under for the game is 37.5 points, which means they think it's going to be a low-scoring game. Flipping the script, the Vikings defense, PFF has them at 20th. Okay, DVOA has them at 10th overall. Remember where we were last season? (laughs) How could I forget? 32nd. We're now at 10th. And I can't say that the talent's any better. Right? We got rid of some old guys, and we brought in a couple new old guys, and, you know, it's relatively the same. But how it's being implemented is drastically different. We're, and the quarterback room is completely turned over. Yep. And we have, we're have we 12th against the pass and 12th against the run. The run game defense has actually gone very well. It's improved. I see Phillips a lot involved on that one. I liked when I saw Roy involved on that one. Bullard. Right, are those big brown bellies on the defensive side when they can get stops? Dean Lowry's out. I don't remember seeing Dean Lowry in the run game a whole lot. Only thing, I, the only highlight from Dean Lowry I remember all season when he's when he picked up the fumble last week. So it's he also not, ran it down one pass in a game. 
That that's true. That's true. Now, Elias Sports Bureau has us at 11th overall for yards on defense. Not bad. 15th passing, 13th rushing, 15th points. We're 10th in the league in sacks with 23. Yay, Daniil Hunter. He's a big part of that. Uh, and, <laughs> yeah, we're, 23. <laughs> yep, and we're uh, 18th when it comes to takeaways with 10. Remember at the beginning of the year, we couldn't buy them. Now we're we're at um, 18th with 10. It's improved. The Falcons offense, on the other hand, who has to face this defense, PFF has them ranking overall 27th. Not so good. And remember, they've got the new quarterback as well. And Taylor Heineke. We know our friend Taylor Heineke. Overall, they're 24th, pass their 25th, and run their 15th. They're better in the run because they have B.J. Robinson, who we'll get into a little bit later. When it comes to yards, Elias has him 14th overall, 18th in passing, 10th in rushing, B.J. Robinson, and 28th in points. They're not scoring. So, and they've given up 26 sacks. That's a lot. And they've giveaways. They rank 28th with 14. And they are sitting at a minus seven differential. So they're up for giving the ball away. That's a good thing. Then we get to special teams. Special teams were 30th overall, dropping like a rock. You I can break this out by punt, kick, punt return, kick return, all that. There's one factor that's causing this to drop. We all know what it is. He wears the number one. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get to uh, the Falcons special teams. They're 26. Their kicker, Mr. Wu, is it? Um, He's only missed two kicks all season. So yeah. That is it for your stat rundown. Slide breakdown. Hopefully, you have not gone blind with that presentation. <laughs> um, thanks, Dave. Yeah, I, you could you could go for this game as far as like keys to the game and all that stuff. I think feel like it's pretty simple. It's Jaron Hall, Jaron Hall, Jaron Hall for, for me. Like you got you go from Kirk Cousins to uh, with twelve years in the league and tons of experience and seen it all uh, or nearly it all. Uh, playing at again some of the the best ball he's ever played, especially the last two games, and then you go to a rookie fifth rounder who has played eleven snaps in the regular season, and it and it just comes down to Jaron Hall tomorrow, right? Like Atlanta is one of those bad, decent teams. By that I mean their record is decent, uh, but they're you, 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 you same as us. Stat. Yeah, mm. but you see the stats there; they ain't that good. Um, they've been, and so. Really, uh, but if if Kirk Cousins was in this game, the Vikings would be, I think, uh, two score favorites. They, I think, they'd be favored by six, seven points in this one. Considering, especially with the way he played the last two games, Kirk Cousins ain't there. You got Jaron Hall, and Atlanta's favored, and I think that's probably fair. Uh, so if Jaron Hall shits the bed uh, and the offense just struggles and 
can't move the ball because of him, because of his inexperience, because he can't make the throws, can't make the right reads, uh, then it's going to be a tough day tomorrow. Uh, so it's really all on him. Um, you know, you know, in this case, and the Darasaw thing hurts quite a bit, uh, but also, you know, you hear talk about, well, you get a rookie, you get an experienced quarterback there. The Vikings got to lean on the run game. Well, they can't lean on the run game because the run game has been ineffective six of the eight games that we have played. <laughs> uh, and, and I don't see that. And I don't see that getting any better. Okay. Maybe everybody's been talking about, uh, well, only if Cam Akers got in the ball and, you know, became the number one back instead of Alexander Madison. And I wish that would be the case. But if you look at Cam's stats, he's averaging like what? 2.6 yards per carry right now. Like it ain't great, uh, but limited opportunities. Uh, Got to <laughs> give him that. But I, but I like Cam. I think Cam's a better pass catcher as far as the screens. He sets it up better. He's got better hands, at least than Adam Madison this, this year. So that would be a, you know, that would be a plus. But I just, the way that Kevin O'Connell's used them so far, I don't think that we're going to see a whole big change in, in usage. Cam Akers is not going to supplant Madison as the guy, uh, the running back. But even with Akers in there, I don't think that this running game is going to take a huge leap and be able to be the focal point of the offense and take a, a ton of pressure and heat off of Jaron Hall. Um, just because for whatever reason, even though we have a supposedly a very good offensive line, and I think it is, uh, we're just can't seem to run the ball well. So it's Jaron Hall tomorrow. And I'm not concerned. You know, I talked earlier about the good things that I think some of the encouraging things that I can see about him and that we can feel good about. Um, but I'm not worried about Hall's, the physical stuff. Like, I'm not worried about his height. I'm not worried about his arm strength. I'm not worried about those sorts of things and his ability and if that's going to be what prevents him from being successful tomorrow, it's all the mental side of the stuff, Dave. It's like, is he going to be able to, at the line of scrimmage, is he going to be able to recognize protections and check out of plays quickly and do the check out of the right plays? Is he going to be able to set the protections right? Is he Will he know when to step up in the pocket to avoid pressure and how far to step up in the pocket to avoid pressure? Is he going to be able to get the ball out just that fraction of second quick enough like Kirk Cousins does a lot of times so that he avoids a sack. Is he going to be able to read the coverages quickly enough and know where to go and, and who to go to at the right time? Uh, those, is he going to be able to like manipulate secondaries with his eyes and his body to create good throwing windows? Or is he going to stare down his wide receivers and make it easy for them? I think, how is he going to handle pressure? Because you know, Atlanta is going to, they're going to ask some questions of Jaron Hall tomorrow ryan nielsen the defensive coordinator is gonna when he can when he thinks it's when it's appropriate he's i think he's gonna try to send the blitz send the heat and see if jaron hall answers the questions he's gonna ask of him in a positive fashion um those are all unknowns but i think again the thinking the mental side of the stuff that's what jaron hall has to excel at tomorrow uh for the vikings offense to to you know instead of settling for field goals and three and outs get touchdowns. Um, that's the big part of it. And again, I think that, you know, Atlanta, like any defense should do when you get an experienced quarterback, you ratchet up the heat, you ratchet up the pressure and see how they handle it. See if you can get them jittery, see if you can force them into bad throws and get some easy turnovers that help your offense. Uh, that is the big thing. And in this game, and it's unfortunate with Christian Darisaw, but in this game, this is where the offensive line in particular I think he's got to do Jaron Hall a solid. They've been very, very good in pass protection most of the year, particularly lately. 
Um, they got to have the game of their life tomorrow. Give Jaron yes, Hall. They, they've got to protect the young guy. Give Jaron Hall that little extra millisecond or two milliseconds. If he's a little bit slow reacting to, to get the ball out, at least to avoid a bad a sack or get the ball out to make a good play. Um, they've got to do that for him. Uh, our wide receivers have got to, they've got to win on the coverage. Like, uh, they've got to win one-on-ones. And then Kevin O'Connell has got to, as you said, Kevin O'Connell has got to, got to call the game as well and set and give Jaron Hall the plays that he's got confidence in. And that set Jaron Hall up for success. Uh, and, you know, it's a lot to ask, but like Kevin O'Connell said this week, he said, this is what I get paid for is to develop a game plan in an adverse situation that gives, uh, uh, and, and make it work. And that's not a verbatim what he said, but that's basically what he said. Basically what he says. And it's so nice that he is doing that versus going, this is my system and I'm going to sh- shove these square pegs into the round holes and make it work. <laughs> No, it's it's great that he's doing that. Um, I think you know, so it's all on Jaron Hall and, and Dave. The whole I talked a bit about the running game and leaning on the running game, but in order for the Vikings to sustain drives, uh, you've got to convert on third down a lot. Eventually, in every offensive drive, there's going to be one, two, maybe three plays where you got to convert on third third down. And for the Vikings, and I think for that for the Vikings and I think for most NFL offenses, that means you've got to pass the ball and complete passes to get first downs. I, I crunched the numbers, Dave, uh, uh, and this is I don't know how shocking these numbers are, but uh, the Vikings have had, by my count, 107 third down opportunities through eight games. Do you know how many times they have run the ball on those 107 third down opportunities? You don't. So I'll tell I you, don't. They've, run it, they've run it 11 times. I'm about to 11. say, it's got to be low. So 11 so, of 130, so less than 10%. Yes, 9.7% of the time. And this is like, uh, and, and if you take away uh, one time when Cousins dropped back to pass and had to scramble because nobody was open, if you take away some of the tush pushes and quarterback sneaks, if you take away a couple of the drives where the Vikings against the Bears and in particular, where the Vikings basically were just running to kill the clock, really it works out to the Vikings only have passed five times out of a like legitimate five runs out of 107 third down opportunities, which is like 4.6%. What I'm, I don't like, I think if you looked at those stats through the whole NFL, you'd probably find most teams are like sort of similar below in the run on the yeah. third down. Yeah. But, you know, it's a passing league and, and offenses feel that their best chance to convert on third down, I got to have it down, is to pass the ball. And it makes sense because you, you only have to beat one guy usually to, to get complete a pass. You don't have to beat eight or seven guys and have blocks all work and all that shit. Right. Yeah, but if you're sitting uh, at third and eight and you only need two, you expect your offensive line yeah. and your running back to get you at least two yards. You would hope. Well, and the thing is that if you look at every third down play, the Vikings have run like <laughs> basically other than a third and one, they always pass. <laughs> like always wow. uh, the Vikings. So what, what this basically what I'm saying though, is, is that if the Vikings offense is going to move the ball tomorrow, Jaron Hall is going to have to make plays with his arm on third down. 
ah, it's just going to happen. Uh, you're, and so that is where Kirk Cousins has been, especially the last two games, has been dealing on third down. He's been almost unstoppable. Uh, I don't think that we can expect Jaron Hall to be that successful on third down. So I'm really interested to see how the offense functions. Like you, you can get away with that maybe if you have you know a few big big plays that eliminate the need for third downs, big huge chunk plays that get you know 60 yard touchdown right. pass or 60 yard touchdown run that sort of thing, or but even a 12 the, yard the, pass, you know yeah, something like that. But the, but the I think it's going to be tough. At least I feel that like it's going to be tough for the Jaron Hall and the Vikings to do that grind it out. 15, 10, 12 yard play where you've got to convert three or four third downs with your arm because Jaron Hall is not Kirk Cousins. Uh, but I could be wrong. But for him to be successful, the Vikings offense to be successful tomorrow, they've got to they've got to convert on third down and they're gonna to have to do it with Jaron Hall's arm, not with Alexander Madison or Cam Akers running the ball likely. And that that does worry me. Uh but you've got TJ Hawkinson, you've got KJ Osborne, Jordan Addison, those are guys that can really help. Jaron Hall succeed by, again, upping their level of play, winning on beating their guy in coverage and giving him a nice open targets to throw to. Um, and it, and it, maybe it'll help the Vikings running back. Like you said, uh, you show Grady Jarrett's out of the game. He's a very good defensive tackle. Uh, and uh, him not being there could help the Vikings offense run the ball better than they have. Uh, but that seems like it's going to be tough. But like, all on Jaron Hall. On the other side of the, the coin, uh, everybody may have heard, you've showed it, is that Atlanta has a new quarter, starting quarterback themselves. Yes, <laughs> Our old do. buddy, Taylor Heineke. Taylor Heineke. And uh, you remember last year we were playing Washington and Heineke was starting for Carson Wentz. I think Wentz was hurt at the time. Uh, and I remember back, we did our preview show and I said, Dave, I really wish Wentz was playing in this game because... Heineke right now is a better quarterback than him, and it'd be a lot easier for the Vikings if they were facing Wentz compared to Heineke. Well, I feel the same way in this game because Desmond Ritter was the starter, was really struggling, and I'd really prefer it if especially this Brian Flores defense was facing Desmond Ritter. As opposed and messing to with his head, yes. Yeah, as opposed to Taylor Heineke because Ritter is, he can scramble, he's a better scrambler, and he's dangerous in that way, but he's really struggled throwing the ball all of his pass, a lot of short passes, dink and dunk. He's been sacked a lot, as the numbers show. Um, struggling. Atlanta's not scoring the ball very, uh, scoring very many points, and a lot of that is on Desmond Ritter, from what I've read. So him not starting is a big disappointment for me, and probably a big disappointment for every Vikings defensive player, Brian Flores, and all the coaches. That said, <laughs> Taylor Heineke has got his issues too, right? Um We've seen him before. He's kind of like, in a way, I feel he's similar to... Jaron Hall and him are kind of similar. They're undersized. Uh, they've got good, not great arms. And they're mobile, but not super, super Lamar Jackson mobile. Right. Uh, but Heineke right. is a guy that he's never really had a high completion percentage. He's usually in the low 60s, sometimes lower. Um, again, uh, he can he can make off-schedule plays. He can, if it's scramble drill, he can, he can make some plays. But he... He takes, he's inaccurate. He'll miss some easy throws that he shouldn't miss. And that costs uh, his team that he's leading uh, to keep the chains moving. And he'll take some chances when he shouldn't take chances, uh, especially if he's pressured. And so I think tomorrow, you know, every game, Brian Flores has brought the heat. Ain't going to change tomorrow. He's going to blitz a lot uh, when he gets the opportunity. Really? And Tyler, 
and and Tyler Heineke, I think there's going to be opportunities there for the Vikings to come up with some game-changing turnovers. Uh, they've been on a turnover roll here the past two or three games, and I think they really need to do that again tomorrow against Atlanta. Uh, it'd be awesome if they could get another defensive touchdown. You can't count on those, but that would help the Vikings offense immensely, uh, you know, or a couple of turnovers deep or in Atlanta territory that gives Jaron Hall and the Vikings offense a short field and easy points. That's going to help immensely. And I think those opportunities are going to be there because Taylor Heineke is a guy that I think initially Arthur Smith and the Falcons are going to want to get the ball out quickly and short dink and dunk and that sort of thing. But eventually Heineke is going to want to take some shots and he doesn't always make good decisions when he does that. Well, and then last year he had help from the defensive back yeah. judge that took out Cameron Bynum yeah. on the sheer inter- or pure interception that would have been. But now, now you know Drake late London's out. He's their best wide receiver by far, and that leaves Van Jefferson, Cardale Hodge, Mac Hollins, somebody else. I'm forgetting Scotty Miller. That's your top four wide receivers for the Falcons. They ain't scaring anybody, even our secondary. So a big advantage there for us. <laughs> and for Ryan Flores. Now, on the flip side, Atlanta does have two tight ends, Kyle Pitts and Jonu Smith. Have, they've combined for well over 50 catches and almost 700 yards. So they use their tight ends a lot. And Pitts is essentially a jumbo-sized wide receiver. But um, they, I think that without Drake London in there, that's a plus for us. And really the guy with London out of there, the guy that the Vikings have to key on, have to stop, is Bijan Robinson from the Falcons. The rookie, the number eight or seventh overall pick. Very explosive, very good catching the ball out of the backfield. He's a guy that he, when he gets it, he can. he's a threat to take it to the house every time. And uh, he's a guy that, you know, five averaging over five yards per carry this year. The weird thing is, is that the Falcons have not used him that much. He had 19 carries. Because we see his highlights and they're like, this dude is outstanding. Yeah. He had he had 19 carries two games ago and he got 120 yards, which is the best game of the year. Other than that, his most carries he's had has been 14. So they're kind of splitting him with Tyson, um, I can't pronounce his last name, a leisure or whatever, who's averaging not even three yards per carry, I think. But Bijan Robinson, this could be the game where Arthur Smith says, okay, Bijan Robinson, you're getting the bulk of the carries. And if that's the case, then Brian Flores and the defense have to have a plan to to limit him and his explosiveness. Now I don't think you're going to see like, you know, heavy boxes for the Vikings because uh they don't do that a whole lot. They they'll have got seven or eight guys up on tight on the line of scrimmage, but that's just to mess with the quarterback's mind. That's not because they're trying to stop the run so much and make it easy. They're just trying to make quarter get the quarterback confused about who's rushing and who isn't. Right, um, and the offensive but, line part of that. Yes, yeah, that, yeah, that's another big one. But um, I think this year it's anecdotal. I have no stats to back it up. But I feel that the Vikings tackling defensively has been vastly better than it was last year. You don't see a lot of guys missing. You don't see a lot of broken tackles, uh, not as much run after the catch. And that's very important when you're facing a guy like Bijan Robinson, because when you get a chance to take him down, you better take him down or else he could be 20, 30 yards beyond you if you miss that first tackle. So really important for the Vikings to stuff Bijan Robinson, make the Atlanta as one-dimensional as they possibly can, because I think if you do that, Tyler Haneke is not going to be able to be successful enough to score 
you know, to keep the offensive running and, and as successful as it needs to be. And this is a game where, yeah, we're not sure what Vikings offense is going to do. And so, yeah, uh, it could be 17, 20 points could be what wins it for you. Um, and this be. is a game where this is a game, particularly with Jaron Hall needing to get his feet under him where, um, the defense may have to be really do the line share of the work in this one. If it's close, um, as you, you looked at special teams earlier, Dave, if it's close, um, I think the Falcons have a, an advantage here because Greg Joseph is struggling. He's missed five kicks, I think, or six, something like uh, that, five or six. Yeah. It's, and it's all recently. It's not, yeah. he started out the season when everybody else was struggling. He was good. Didn't miss anything. Now he, when everybody else picked up their game, he's now starting to miss. And we have seen this the previous two years where he's had gone into these funks for a certain amount of time where he's not dependable uh, and other parts of the time where he's hitting 55 yarders, no problem. But I think right now he's in a funk, whereas the Falcons kicker is not and has only missed two kicks, one extra point, one field goal. He hasn't had a, whole lot of, had a whole lot of long kicks. I think as long as kick has been 51 yards. But that is, in a close game, if you've got a feel-good feel goal kicker you can depend on and the other team has one they don't depend on, that can be the difference between winning and losing. And yes. right now, the Vikings uh, can't be feeling good about where their kicker's head is at right now and how he's performing. Narenda, and I probably butchered that, I hope... I sort of hope that's cool. I'd love to see the defense score like three touchdowns and the offense score two and we're kicking butt. So yeah. that would be awesome. Will the defense score tomorrow? Possibility. I'd like it's to always see. possible. It's not really something. We've already got two defensive touchdowns this year. That's not really something you can you can hang on. You can hang your hat on. Uh, those tend to be more fluky than anything else. Uh, not the plays that lead up to it, but the actual, you know, the bounce of the ball goes right into DJ Wadham's arms. Like, how could that have worked out any better in Carolina game uh, than, than it did? You know, there was no skill involved there. Uh, Speaking but, of uh, which, he's had a couple of good games in a row. And Portland does. Yes, because you don't have Davenport. And uh, the fact that, yeah, I think Wanham's playing some of his best football that he's played as a Viking the past two, three games. And uh, he's got to keep it up. Mm-hmm. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. There's a couple things I want to talk about real quick. Tomorrow at approximately 11, 10, 30-ish, somewhere in there, at right after one bar in Lupkis, we have our buddy, Justin, who's part of our network, goes live with the last-minute check-in as to, you know, who's out, who's in. He goes live with his pregame. Hey, you know, we've got 15 minutes to go. This is the story. Let's roll. His show, make sure you check that out in the morning. And then at... You know what happens during the game at the two-minute warning. We go live to watch those final two minutes with you and react to how the Vikings did. Tomorrow, will they do great? Are we going to be celebrating Darren Hall? Will we be celebrating the defense? Or will we will we be grousing 
about, <laughs> hey, this went wrong and that went wrong and why in the heck did that happen? Well, you're going to find out. Tune in at the two-minute warning. We're the only ones that go live at that time. Plug it in and ride it out with us, and let's see how it goes. Should be fun. Any last words, everybody? Um, well, another, I guess, source of optimism for Hall is that last week, Will Levis made his first appeared in his first game uh, as a rookie and he threw for four touchdown passes against that Atlanta Falcons defense. Mm -hmm. Uh, So uh, there is, if Will Levis can go in there higher, much higher draft pick, but still uh, not very experienced. If he can go in there and do that uh, against uh, the Atlanta Falcons, then I don't know. Why can't Jaron Hall? (laughs) Like it's, 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 uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility uh, for a hall to do that. And yeah, a big game for both teams. Uh, but I feel at this Dave, I don't know how others feel, but it, it really, I think that I don't know. I'll feel differently when the game goes, but right now I'm kind of like kind of there were no stress right now because cousins is gone. What are the expectations for this team? They're pretty low. So um, like hall could like, maybe this could, maybe this is like, a Brock Purdy moment where Hall, with us not expecting, he ends up showing that he can be potentially the future for this Vikings team. We could have like a huge shift in the in the franchise's future tomorrow in the next few games, depending on how Hall plays. I'm probably overstating it a bit, but if he plays well, if he's impressive, that really changes the Vikings' view on the quarterback situation Going next offseason. Uh-huh. Yeah, and. And and what's so bad about us doing well and making the playoffs with what we have? I I, I would. Who's to say that if uh, the Vikings right now have four four wins, um, they probably even with what they have at the quarterback room would probably win another game or two anyway. Uh, that's not going to get you probably a top ten pick, and won't give you a shot at Caleb Williams unless you trade the farm. So, um, yeah, hey, there's, there's bad teams. <laughs> yeah. So hey. Like, just, um, I, I, you know, I feel that, you know, yeah, there's a, there's an opportunity here for Jaron Hall. I, I, you know, it might be the only opportunity he gets. Uh, let's see how he does. Again, well, exciting you know, and frightening at the time. I've repeated numerous times there's been no fifth round quarterback that's ever become a franchise quarterback. There's always got to be a first time, Dave. You got it, buddy. That's exactly what I was thinking. There's always got to be a a first time. There's been sixth and seventh rounders that have. Why not Darren Hall be the first fifth rounder? And and if he can't, let's be be clear, we're we're not expecting that. We're not predicting that. But it would tomorrow is the opportunity for him to take a step to doing that. And uh, and this wasn't the situation we wanted with Jaron Hall. Perfect would have been like he just sat this year, never played, just was in the lab, developed, and then next year he gets more preseason and maybe he gets a little bit of... And then by year three, we get to throw him in there and see how he does maybe. Things have accelerated quite a bit, David. <laughs> and uh, and so just got to roll with it. Like yep. enjoy the, r- the ride, whatever it is. Exactly. And tomorrow, we hope everybody that's watching today... Joins us at the live two-minute warning, but enjoys the game tomorrow. A lot of us are watching on Sunday Ticket because it's not being broadcast nationally. 
it's very limited. I haven't seen the whole map, but I know everybody I've talked to, they're not getting it unless they're in that immediate Minnesota area or in the Atlanta area. So enjoy, enjoy the rest of your Saturday. Enjoy your Sunday. And what do we say, my friend? We say Skull Vikings. Skull Vikings. Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell. And rate us on your favorite podcast aggregator. Darren and Dave, thank you for watching this episode of Two Old Bloggers. We look forward to seeing you on every show on the new Vikings First and Skull. You can find our podcasts as part of the Fans First Sports Network. Sports takes for the fan, from the fan. Skull, everybody! This has been a Vikings First and Skull production. Part of the Fans First Sports Network.